Hey, how you guys doing? This is the producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to episode two of Pretty Little Riverdale, our Riverdale on the CW recap show. Um, on the line tonight are uh, my two ladies here that talk about this show with me. It's um, C. Celine. C. Celine, how are you? I am wonderful, and I brought Sage to cleanse us from this last week's episode. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, uh, we, we may we may need it. Uh, uh, part of our brothers' comics podcast. Oftentimes, we have a um, uh, a get off my lawn podcast where we just <laughs> scream and yell and curse um, about stuff as being old black men. Uh, I may deep into that just a little bit tonight, so you might have to pull the reins on me a little bit. <laughs> um, and then also on the line tonight is Skeskily. Uh What's yeah, happening, y'all? Yeah, she's here. She's recovered partially from the Falcons collapse last week. We just talked about it before we hit record. Uh, uh, it was somewhat therapeutic, but probably not enough. We need to burn some sage. Um, I, I don't know what else we could do, but you're doing all right. Burned a falcon in effigy, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, again, such an Atlanta thing. Uh to have lost that game. Anywho, uh, episode three for Riverdale was called Body Double, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we'll go over some of the highlights in the episode recap. As I was saying to you before we started recording, also that I um, uh, I usually it's so hard to watch the show and live tweet it, and so I'll usually live tweet and then go back and catch and try to fill in the gap. So if I miss something here, you guys please feel free to um to uh to fill in that gap with my issue was being this week is like we'll get to it here anyway about the chuck issue and I, I couldn't bring myself to go back and watch it so um we'll go through the episode recaps here uh the first thing being episode two ending on cheryl's confession and then her actual confession of what she actually did do in this episode uh see Talene, what do you think about cheryl's confession of what her and that blossom boy actually did do I think the, her confession explains a lot about her behavior in the first two episodes. The fact that his disappearance was staged, um, she's waiting for his phone call this whole time, um, then, you know, coming to a realization that he is gone. Um, so I was surprised by that. I was surprised by the whole stage thing. I don't know why they decided to wear all white because it seems like he would be easily seen if you're right. fleeing in an all-white outfit. So I'm not sure about the choices. Yeah, maybe um, dye your hair, too. That might have helped. <laughs> <laughs> you can be seen from space with that uh, super red hair. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, Cassie Lee, what you think about Cheryl's confession? I mean, when she said, I, I didn't mean to say that I was guilty of killing Jason. I just, you know... If I had had something near me that wasn't my cat, I probably would have thrown it at the television. Because yeah. it just felt like it felt like the cheapest, most transparent, most cynical plot point I have seen on television in a while. You set us up for this huge cliffhanger, and then say, "Oh, but I didn't mean that." It was a very right, yeah. um, what's her name? 
um, uh, Donald Trump's spokesperson. You know, it was a very Kellyanne Conway moment because she was just like, oh, we didn't mean that. Um, I didn't mean that. It, was, it meant something else when I said this. And it just was, oh, it just felt like a totally craven, totally cynical moment. And I just, I didn't buy it. I mean, I understand what she was saying. And I understand, I mean, why were things so bad for Jason at home um, that he felt like he needed to run away wearing all white in, um, you know, in the middle of a leafy forest, granted, they're yeah. very pale, um, but that's not really good camouflage. Um, so, you know, I, I just, I didn't like it. I mean, I felt, I felt, I felt cheated. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we said at the end of episode one, um, we were like, well, I mean, if anybody's thinking that Cheryl actually killed her brother, I mean, you never watched a CW show before. Um, yeah, that's true. So, I mean, it, it was, again, I don't think that Cheryl's role in this whole process, at least with her brother, will have anything to do with his murder. Um, it's just uh, like a literally a cheap plot point. Like, hey, okay, mm-hmm. make sure that you show up next week. And it did show up when we get to the ratings here later on. Uh, she's not the only redhead confessing. Archie also makes a confession. Um, you know, he winds up going to the police to tell that he was at the lake. What did you think about Archie's confession, uh, C. Tilling? Archie, you know, Archie's <laughs> trying to protect people. I'm trying to protect Cheryl. That's why I had to tell. I had to protect Grundy. That's why I said I was with my dog. Uh, I don't know. I felt like it was unnecessary. I was, I don't, Archie, he's getting on my nerves, frankly, yeah. with all of his <laughs> yeah. angst about yeah. everything. And he's just not a moral compass, but he keeps trying to come to that. And I'm just finding it not believable at this point. Uh, I was going to say the same thing. Is is Archie becoming, who's the star of the show, unlikable on his own show? Uh, uh, uh. He's just, he's, he's, he's not even a blank slate because a blank slate suggests that, that you could write something interesting upon it. Um, there's nothing interesting about Archie. And um, I, 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 this is horribly unfeminist, and I'm going to say it anyway. Um, but he, when he when he said that he was at the the lake with his dog, you know, and I was like, well, I knew she was your bitch. I knew she was your dog. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, he's he's he's. I don't hate him yet. I just I don't find him very interesting. Yeah, and he's on. I think he's I, I think he's unlikable. Like you know, you're the, allegedly the star of this show, um, and you have an, an unlikable lead. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, he is wishy washy. He's kind of you know, you know, he's a little Charlie Brown redhead a little bit. Like everything, there's nothing going right, and you know, when he tries to do the right thing, it kind of goes the other way too. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. kind of like not digging Archie at all. And we'll get to that later. And people are what's working and what's not working for me. But yeah, there was Archie. Uh, we'll get to the other one here, too. As the plot goes on, we're getting to the main thing that happened in the middle of there. And like I said, we'll spend a little bit of time there. What did y'all think about Jughead joining the, the red and – well, not the red and gold, the blue and gold newspaper? Uh, he gets recruited by Betty as the editor. And on, on top of that, too, like where is the adult supervision at Riverdale? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's the sponsor of the paper? Who's yeah, your who's faculty the sponsor? sponsor? Yes. Mr. Weatherby's bolo tie. 
<laughs> it, it could be. Uh, I was just, you know, so the plot is going that as he's continually to write about whatever he's writing about, about the murder, now he's been given essentially government sanction to continue writing and to continue to interview people. And I was just thinking, like, I remember my school paper was the deepest expose they did was, you know, well, nothing. Actually, no. It was just so nice about, like, there was no expose. There was nothing. And even anything that was even close to controversial couldn't even get into the school newspaper. But they're no. able to write about the actual murder of uh, one of the students, no less. It's not even a murder in the community. It was a murder about somebody at the actual school. Um, so, yeah, I, that that was that real quick. All right. It definitely it definitely had like that. I don't know if you watched Smallville, but you know how Chloe was in the yeah. in charge of the paper in Smallville, and she and there was never an adult, and she was just writing all this sensational stuff. It felt like a cross between Chloe at in Smallville and Veronica Mars. Yeah, like this, this mess of the two. Yes, and I'm glad you said that because I told and I don't I can't remember what her screen name was, but there was somebody that was watching the show like later and like uh, tweeting about Riverdale this episode and she was calling it Jughead Mars. And I was like, yeah, yeah that works. <laughs> yeah, that absolutely works. You know, because Jughead is doing all the hardcore investigating of this, uh, of the murder. And, you know, we'll get to the introduction to one of the characters here in a second. Now, you know what, and we'll move that one up. So we do get Dilton introduced, Dilton Doyle gets introduced into the Riverdale uh, lore on to a TV show, uh, he is a. Would you call that the Boy Scouts? Oh yeah, it's like a scout troop. Yeah. Yeah, like some sort of scout troop that looks for birds. Which I, I think I tw- live tweeted like that is something that he is into in the comic book. So I thought that was a nice little throwback. Um, but they made Dilton into like a Trump supporter. You know, seats lean. What What did you think about Dilton's introduction onto the show? Uh, I was surprised that they went that route with him because the first time we see him in episode one, I was like, oh, they got his character so right. He looks exactly Mm -hmm. like he looks in the comic. I was really excited. And then when he actually speaks and we hear about him, he's like, where's my red Trump cap? We have to stand up for ourselves or they're going to, you know, we have to defend ourselves. I'm like, Mm -hmm. man, what is happening with this show? (laughs) (laughs) Can it? Jessica <laughs> Dilton Doyle. You know, I I like Dilton, and I not I didn't like his. I mean, I didn't like his "Make America Great Again" whole um, <laughs> survival, <laughs> uh, you know, perception necessarily. But the kid who's playing Dilton is so good. He's really committed to just say, you know, this, playing this kid as. Um, you know, if, if he weren't in the scouts, he'd be a member of the trench coat mafia. You know, he'd be yeah. <laughs> like, school or something like that. And yeah. this kid is selling it. And so I, I you know, I, I, I agree with C.T. Lynn, you know, can anything be sacred? But I almost don't care because the, the, the actor who's playing him is doing a really good job. His biggest plot point, in, at least through th- the episodes here, is that he was actually shooting a gun that day at uh, the lake you know, where he said yeah. that he wasn't. And then Jughead Mars, you know, did his investigative journalism. And, you know, so that puts Dilton somewhere, you know, at least in the, because of his line about it, that puts him somewhere in 
puts him in the vicinity of where the murder happened as well as, you know, as a possible suspect. Um, yeah, I, I will wait that sort of end. But, yeah, I, I didn't – I don't know. I've never really been a fan of Dilton, the character in the comic book. So when they put him in, on the screen, I was like, oh, okay, cool, it's Dilton. But that was about it for me. Um, I didn't really care for him being a doomsday prepper either. Um, but, you know, somebody has to do it. And you're right, he would have been trench coach mafia for sure yeah. uh, and shot uh, all up of Riverdale. Um, so <laughs> uh, hopefully it doesn't get to that point. Um, it looks like they're not above a cheap plot device. So I know, it's um, like anything uh, could happen at this point. Yeah, exactly. Season yeah, two. I mean, it, season, <laughs> a cliffhanger there for season is one. one. Yeah, like <laughs> Yeah, the Dynasty cliffhanger where they shot all those people at the – I'm showing my age – where they shot all the people at the wedding. And I think only people that got contracts were the ones that were brought back. Um, so, yeah, it's awful. Uh, not that I watched Dynasty at all in the 80s. Not at all. No, uh, never. No, please. Read about yeah. it in a book. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So let's get into the major plot point here of the episode is we'll call it Chuck and slut shaming. Um, so Chuck gets introduced, uh, when I think I live tweeted, I was like, Ooh, it's that, is that Cam Newton playing Chuck? You know, <laughs> good looking kid. I mean, he was good looking kid, great smile, you know, great body. I'm like, Oh wow. You know, and now we got to take this and I'll take this from like young me, a young me as a young black male, the possibility that Chuck would have gotten with Veronica in any way, shape, or form. I, I was doing backflips sitting on the couch, like before it goes to shit. I was like, "Oh my Chuck, my man!" I'm high fiving myself. I'm high fiving thirteen year old me, like in the past. I'm like, "Yes, all right, that wow, that's awesome." I was really, really excited about it. Just the fact of seeing Chuck on screen was made, you know, was exciting too. But, you know, what they tried to pair him with Veronica, I was really, really excited. You know, when you saw Chuck before it goes south, essentially, oh, mm-hmm. what did you think? You know, I, was, I, I have to admit that I, I was so excited that the actor that they cast to play Chuck was Canadian. I have this, mm. I have this deep and abiding love for Canadian black men because I just think they're adorable and I want to pat them all on the head. Um, <laughs> so, like, he would say certain words and his, he, his vowels were different. I was like, oh, he's so I got really, I didn't really pay attention to what he was doing, but then I also thought about how, you know, going back to what you were saying about somebody like Chuck, um, a young black man getting with Chuck, uh, getting out with Chuck. Oh my gosh, that's a different story. Yeah, getting, that was really uh, getting with Veronica, um, getting with Veronica. I mean, I I saw that in my own high school. This is back in the '80s, and there was like there were the um, the white cheerleaders who started dating um, the, the black guys on the football team, primarily mm-hmm. just to really piss off their parents. Yeah. So it's not, that, it's not that foreign of a concept to me. And, you know, being that it's set here in Vancouver where everybody gets with everybody and nobody really thinks about the racial uh, implications of it, I didn't really mm-hmm. think about it from that perspective that you were talking about. Right. See, Talene, Chuck makes it on the screen. I was excited because I had noticed him as part of the scenery in the background before, and I was like, oh, I bet that's Chuck. So mm-hmm. I was excited when I, you know, thought, yeah, it was Chuck. And the fact that he was with Veronica, that was interesting. It was exciting. Um, the date was cute. 
Um, one of my boys, we were talking about who do you identify with in Archie just this week, and he said Chuck. And so I was excited, like, oh, Chuck is going to be a character. We're going to see him. And then the next day yeah. happened, and yeah. it was yeah. not what anyone, I don't think, was expecting to happen. Right. Um, so they basically made him into a caricature. Yes, a black male caricature. You took every potential black male stereotype and put it on him and played it out through the course of the episode. Again, my issue, I have several issues. My my issue being if you're going to have a show that has very few black characters, let alone few black male characters, if you're going to do that, you can't make them into a stereotype. Like you just, again, you can do whatever you want. It's your damn show. But if you do that, all you're doing is reinforcing the stereotype. And to me, as a black male, I'm I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you know, of course he's an athlete. Duh. He's on the football team. Duh. That's a couple of stereotypes too. But he's also a misogynist. Duh. He's also a player. Duh. You know, it was just like it was like mm-hmm. they had a box, like a checklist. Like, oh, wait, let's see. Yep, 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 yep. Wide nose, check. Okay, we got it. Like, every check, every one that they wanted to get on there, they got it for Chalk. And, you know, I'm thinking when you introduce the character, it's like, okay, cool. He's he's Chuck. Chuck's on the show. Oh, you put him with Veronica. Okay, cool. That's that. And then you take it after the date where he becomes like this, you know, slut shaming person that's leading the football team and this whole idea of slut shaming girls at the school at Riverdale, and he's the leader of it. You know, and again, I didn't really like that plot device, but it just kept getting worse as the episode went on, and we were going to get to the heat, into the end of it here in a little bit. But I just didn't like it. Um, um, it's just, I mean, again, that's just me. Maybe it's just me, but I just it's not I just you. Yeah, I could, I just couldn't I, wrap know, my head around it. I it's, it's I'm listening to you guys talk about it, and I totally understand and believe everything that you're saying. I just didn't even see it like that. And I'm I'm kind of questioning myself a bit, but I think the way that I saw it was within the framework of the school, not the framework of society as a whole. Um, And I think about it from the perspective of, if this is the culture of the football team, and I'm probably getting ahead a little bit, but when they found that ledger, it was clear that this had been the culture of the football team for a long, long, long time. Um, And when Chuck was on the date with Veronica and he was talking about how difficult it was for him to be not only the new kid, but your dad, the teacher, and the football coach, Mm -hmm. um, there could have been a really interesting backstory there, and maybe it'll come out in future episodes, who knows. But I thought about it from the perspective as a new kid coming into – uh, a really toxic, long-standing culture, but he wants to be thought of, he wants to make friends. So he starts aping the behaviors or portraying the behaviors of the culture that he has been sort of dropped into, and that was the way that he was able to find friendship and make bonds within that particular culture. So I kind of took away took away the the racial aspect of it and just looked at it from the perspective of any kid who's new um, being put into that situation and what he's going to do to survive um, because things were already tough for him by being the new kid. And and like I said, it's not that I'm trying to discredit anything that you said because 
now that you said it, I can see it from that perspective. It's, I just didn't even think about it that way. And, and I, I, I kept going back in my head to the things that he was saying to Veronica in the car, which made it seem like everything that he was doing um, with the sticky maple and all of that stuff mm-hmm. was really just an act for him. He felt like right. he had to do it. He had, he had to go along and get along, as they say. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how I looked at it. Okay. See, Um, I think what you said could definitely be legit, especially with a lot of things that's going on in the media with, um, I don't know if you knew the story about the football team at the University of Minnesota got all got in trouble for like sexual stuff with girls. So I think mm-hmm. it's and then very, that, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and that, that high school team, they even mentioned it in the episode um, where the yeah. football oh. players, yeah. Was it Steubenville? Maybe I'm getting yeah, the wrong city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it is timely. Um, you know, I was rewatching the episode yesterday in my daughter's room while I was cleaning it, and my 12-year-old <laughs> comes through, and he sees maybe 10 seconds before I paused it because he was talking to me, and he, he says to me, is that Chuck Clayton? I said, yeah. Right. And he goes, why did they do that to his character? Like he didn't yeah. – he saw like a few seconds, and he was – affronted by what he saw because Chuck is one of his favorite characters as well. So, you know, I was really disappointed. Um, can I talk about the last scene? Are we going to Yeah, yeah, there? yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's that, fine. that last scene when he was in the hot tub, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Mandingo. It came back, it came out in 1975. It set on a plane. Come on, stars. <laughs> <laughs> and the the Mandingo slave gets is having relations with the the white mm. owner, his white female owner, and she has a baby. Massa finds out, and his way of punishing him is to put him in a pot of boiling water. So, right. like when I saw that scene, I'm like, oh my god, this is so Mandingo right now. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's in this water, it's boiling, he's chained up, he can't get out. She's putting syrup on him. I, I think I tweeted all, all he needed is some Lowry seasoning and he'd be just yeah. like oh, Mandingo too. And yeah. it was just like, it was too much for me. Yeah. It was like so tropey. It was such a caricature. It was, uh, it was, I can see why they did it because of, uh, maybe they were trying to make a point about, you know, slut shaming, cyber bullying, rape culture, all of these things which are great. I just didn't enjoy the way they went about doing it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I had a visceral reaction to it. You know, again, like the reason I haven't rewatched it, you know, for the recap, it was because of that. I mean, I really just couldn't even deal. And it just kept getting worse. And I was just like, you know, and I, I think I, you know, added the writer's room that, hey, if you're going to have like a black character, you can't like make him like a caricature. Like, don't do this. And you did it. And then you took it to the, you know, whatever, where the last scene where they are. I mean, they're literally, you chain, I mean, you have to, I mean, somebody wrote this and storyboarded this. We're going to chain up the black guy, put him in boiling water, and pour syrup on him. Like, somebody storyboarded that. And nobody, I'm assuming, because there might not have been too many black people in the room, in the writer's room, was like, hey, you know what? That might not be a great idea. And it just went, and it went ahead, and my thought was, I was like, you know, you could have made this with, and again, I hate being canon Archie boy about the comics. Chuck's not that dude. 
He's just not. Like, we all know this. Chuck's not that mm-hmm. dude from the comics, and you made him that dude. But then on top of that, you could have picked any dude on the football team and made them to pl- to push that plot across without it being Chuck. Could have been anybody. Could have made it Moose. Could I mean, Or anybody. just some random dude. Just or some, some random, random dude. football player. Right, yeah. You know, and you save that character for something else. I mean, you know, at the end of the scene, they're saying, you know, when he's getting, you know, led out or whatever, like, oh, it's, you know, Jughead's voiceover is, oh, you know, it's going to come back later on, you know, as some other, you know, plot device to continue the story. But just in its moment in and of itself, I just, I just couldn't. Like, it just, it, it made me, it made me like kind of a little bit sick to my stomach. Um, but, you know, the show is the show. They're going to do what they're going to do. But I know, like me, like as black male, sometimes you see those those stereotypes and it makes you mm-hmm. run away from like TV shows. And I hate being that guy sometimes, you know, like, oh, well, the black dude's going to get killed. Oh, well, you know, the black female's going to be, you know, I hate being that dude and I hate being right about it. But when I'm right about it, I'm going to freak say, like, you know what? <laughs> you did take this black guy and made him into this thing. So it just, oh, it pissed me off. If they could have named him anything but Chuck, I probably would have been I wouldn't have been okay with it, but I probably would have been a little bit better with it, but it, it just mm-hmm. was not a good, it wasn't a good thing. And yeah, Sticky Maples is the, is the slut shaming device that they use. Now this is a whole football team. And uh, another side point, like why y'all writing everything down? Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, there's businesses whose ledgers aren't as tight as that, the Sticky Maple book. And they got everything written down. Uh, you put that. Um, you you said you screen capped or, or you looked at the the screen for the for the Instagram messages that were attached to the one that was about Veronica. Hilarious! Oh my gosh! <laughs> because I mean I couldn't see it. I, I I was I wanted to pause it while I was watching it to see what they were saying on Instagram or Ribstagram as I've been called. Oh, yeah. Um, but she went in. I mean, my yeah. the, the, the the thing that I love about Veronica the most. Somebody clowned her about her eyebrows. They're like, we can give her a ticket back to New York uh, for her eyebrows, or maybe two tickets, one for each eyebrow. And I was like, oh my. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, what was it that uh, Cheryl said? I don't mean to. What did she say? I don't. I, I don't. What did she, I got it open here. She's like, I usually pity the poor, but I was like, oh. My God. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, there's a, there's a little details in this show, like the musical cues that they use in the background and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Um, yeah. You know, when, when you, you know, not to downplay any of the stuff that you guys said before this, because all of that's really important. But it's like I, I love those little details that, that, that people think through and just know that there's some writer somewhere or some, uh, I don't know, set designer or somewhere mm. who had to mock this up and just yeah. think about the <laughs> yeah. absolute glee that they're, that they're experiencing trying to put this together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um, I love part of the Sticky Maple part, we also get um, the introduction to, of Ethel Muggs as well uh big ethel mm-hmm. in the comics we get ethel in as well um now i don't watch stranger things and i got some eyebrow <laughs> looks um from people when i told them that because i was listening to somebody else's podcast and the guy said he hadn't watched it either i don't do scary stuff like at all like that's a absolute hard stop for me so everybody's like oh stranger things are so great and so i'm like yeah that's great um yeah, wasn't good. ever 
Yeah, okay. Oh, that's even better. You said it wasn't that good. It really wasn't. It really was yeah. not. It was, She's lying it was to you. She's lying to you. No. It was a good piece of nostalgia. If you were somebody who grew up watching things like E.T. or Poltergeist or any of those, like, scary 80s movies, mm. it was perfect in that in that perspective um, from mm. that point, but it was not, it was not that good. And... No. Um, I mean, the, the thing to me, that, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to talk about Stranger Things. It, it was filmed in the mm-hmm. town that my parents grew up in. So that, for that, it okay. was kind of cool. But, yeah, um, yeah it wasn't that good. <laughs> somebody, somebody that I listen to and know and follow or whatever, who's also in our, you know, age box, was like, oh, you know, if you, you like Goonies so much, you would really like this. And I was like, don't play the Goonie card with me, sir, um, because that's a piece of nostalgia that I hold very deeply to my heart. And if I watch it and it doesn't live up to that kind of, you know, that, that vibe, then I'm going to really, like, unfollow you and dislike you and stuff. Yeah, so, it's really yeah, not that yeah. vibe. It's okay. really not that vibe. All right. All right. So, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I hadn't seen it. But the reason I brought that up, I guess that the character that plays Methel, Methel, <laughs> or I cannot, yeah, Big Ethel is in Stranger Things as well. Um, she has been slut-shamed along with many other girls at Riverdale by the football team. Uh, it becomes a huge uh, plot point, as well as her house also becomes a plot point here as we get through the rest of the Chuck story. Um, mm-hmm. Or the Chuck wagon. or like The all these Chuck other wagon. Things. Yeah, the behind <laughs> the Chuck. Um, were we okay with Ethel's portrayal? I, I was hoping that she'd have some sort of interaction with Jughead. Maybe it'll come up later, but I was kind of hoping she'd have some reaction to him. Yeah, um, this is um, when I saw her. Of course, the first thing I yelled was Barb. Yeah, thing. <laughs> but I was, um, I liked her. I liked that she was curvy, but yeah. I hate to say, but in the comics, but in the comics, she was Big Ethel because she was so tall. Tall. Right. Um, so the fact that they made her Big Ethel as far, and no one called her that. This is just me mm-hmm. totally saying this as a person who read the comics. This, the fact that right. he made her big because she's curvy, I think I'm mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. Um, I enjoy her. You repeat I'm that. Sorry, I didn't come hear you. Oh yeah, I'm saying she she was actually tall, but she was taller than the rest of them too. So it was like she's still tall, but she's just yeah. big. She's big all over. She's not just tall. Yeah, she's not right. just gangly. I enjoyed her. I enjoyed seeing her. I hope to see her in more episodes. Um, I thought for her, I thought it was a good introduction to her yeah. character. What did you think? I was just kind of impressed. Again, it's going to be a horribly unfeminist kind of remark, but this is what happens to my brain when I watch shows like this. Um, I was impressed that she got a 7.5 in the book. And probably yeah. even only got a nine. So I was, I was like, well, okay, um, this is obviously a more accepting and progressive view of body difference than we see in the the real world. But like I said, this, this is what this show does to my brain, and I'm not proud of it. Yeah. Hey, I, I always I always say guys like thick, guys like booty. They like a thick yeah. girl. Yeah. I, uh. I'll play the guy on the phone call here. Yeah, that's perfectly okay. Yes, we do. Um, I, I mean, there's nothing wrong. I, if, if you are a dude that was looking at Ethel and you're like, nah, I can't, like, nah, I can't really mess with you either, man. If you look at her, you couldn't you find something attractive about her. That's on you. Uh, so, 
Yeah, I, I thought she looked great, honestly. Uh, I mean, she's such a hard character to try to portray from the comic to the to a, a big screen or whatever. So it was like, you know, anything that you could have did that didn't have her teeth all bucked out, her, mm-hmm. you know, olive oil skinny and, you know, whatever, like it was going to work for me. Uh, I, I thought it was great. I thought the actress did a really good job uh, in the mm-hmm. course of the episode. I thought she did a really good job with the material that they gave her. Um, I yeah. thought she did a really good job. Um, okay, so, yeah, so we get through this, Chuck, and the football team or slut shaming the girls, it leads to um, the scene that we'll call bipolar Betty. Um, oh. You know, Veronica has been highly upset about what happened. Um, and then we get to see bitchy Veronica about this because she's not going to allow somebody to do this to her, which was great. Um, and then Polly was also in the book, which stirs up something in Betty that gets her so upset. And so they set up this plot or yeah, plan that they are going to invite Chuck over to, I think that was Ethel's house because uh, her parents are out of town and which leads to the boil and Mandingo scene. And, but in part of that, Betty comes out uh bra and black wig looking like a reject from Fifth Shades of Grey. And <laughs> she actually really, now that you mentioned it, she really did look like that actress. She did. Yeah, totally with that wig. And I'm like, okay, well, what are we doing here? And in the course of Betty's uh, transformation, you know, she kind of loses about who she was, and she really kind of takes Chuck's um, revenge, you know, to a different level, to the point where Veronica has to stop her. What did you think about bipolar Betty? See, Colleen. Okay, when I when she was in her room and she was putting on the lipstick, and her mom comes in. And her mother wipes the lipstick off, and you see Betty with, like, this smeared lipstick on her face. Mm -hmm. I just got this, you know, in DC Comics, when the female person, whether it be, like, Poison Ivy or Harley Quinn or Catwoman kind of, you know, fall in the vat and they kind of lose their minds, their makeup is all smeared. That was yeah. like what that that was the that's what I got from that visual. This makeup is smeared. It's like Betty's not all there at this moment. She really did seem off just right. from that visual. When she came out in that bra and that wig and that outfit, like I had seen that scene, you know, like flashed in the promos, and I had assumed it was Veronica. Yeah. So when I saw Betty come out, the first thing I thought is, "Ooh, I really need that bra. That is so hot." <laughs> and I did, and I didn't realize she was built this way. They're really hiding her assets. But right. she was so—I hate to use the term crazy—but she was so crazy at the end, calling herself yeah. Polly and him Jason. But I mm-hmm. guess you know, I think one of the things the writers did well is they showed how this playbook really shifted something in Betty and it also shifted something in Cheryl. And Mm -hmm. I like how they, they played that out. I liked it. I like bipolar Betty. (laughs) I liked it. I liked what it did for the story. Okay. Bipolar Betty. Um, I'd agree that, you know, I I liked what they did for the story and I I liked her little bralette. That was really cute. Um, it, It, I think what the when in that moment when she slips from being Betty into being Polly, I think the writers are trying to interject that as, oh, you know, things are not as they seem. So maybe mm-hmm. Betty is implicated in this somehow. Um, right. And and I don't know, you know, if they're going to look at that from 
the perspective of as the, the as the series goes on. Maybe Betty is suffering some sort of PTSD as a result mm-hmm. of what happened to her sister, um, and that's why she slipped from being herself and slipped into being um, to being Polly for that moment. Um, again, this is one of those little detail things that I noticed, and I'm going to ruin it for people. Um, the water was not that hot because uh, the actor who played uh, Chuck is light skinned, and if that water were hot, he'd be red. So he'd be red. <laughs> but yeah, as, I, uh... as, as, as that particular that particular scene is really arresting. And, and thinking about it in the context of where you were talking about from Mandingo, shout out for, like, the reach back because, like, my God, yeah. I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but for thinking sure. about it from that setup, you know, um, it was a really visually arresting scene. I just don't feel like it had place within the show as we know of it so far. And I kind of felt like it was just put in there to raise the um, – the shocking, uh, I don't know, the shocking level of the show is to bring some shock value that really hadn't been there before. So I, I, I mean, it was okay because it wasn't the best. Yeah. yeah, maybe like a let's get, let, where's there a scene that we can get Betty and Veronica in their skivvies? You know, yeah. because that's just probably what people want to see. Like, oh, okay, well, we'll work from that concept and build a scene around it. Um, bipolar Betty, were a couple of things. You went back, you said about the scene where, um, the mom wipes the lipstick off. One, there was a ridiculously bad product placement for Maybelline. Man. Oh, my God. I mean, they, oh, yeah. I mean, they, yeah, yes. they lingered on it so hard. I was like, oh, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> it was just so obvious. Uh, two, um, I think I tweeted this during the, the thing. I was like, I, I wonder if that was a little throwback to the lipstick incident, which is a huge plot point in the Archie reboot uh, with Mark Wade. Like, uh, oh, yeah, uh, that's yeah, right. I yeah. agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, I definitely thought that. And I tweeted that at him, but I never heard back from him. Um, and uh, and as it gone on, yes, but the, I, I just kind of thought that it was um, – I thought the scene was kind of cool. I mean, from a dude's perspective, I was like, man, Veronica ain't playing in that bathing suit. I see why <laughs> Chuck would have been attracted to her. And But I also saw that, you know, I don't I don't really kind of like bipolar Betty uh, just because it's such a far reach off for the character for me. Mm-hmm. And I know this is going to come back to haunt, like, her, us, me from watching this show. But it it, it, it continually reminds me of, like, these little kind of plot lines from Desperate Housewives. Like, you know, where there's yeah. somebody that's like, a, you know, they think that they're one person and they kind of flip and there's somebody else literally or figuratively. And there has to be some sort of resolution for that. It can't just be like, oh, well, you know, I was just crazy in that moment. Like, no, you you fucking crazy. Like, you don't just be crazy like for a moment. Like, you are really yeah. pretty crazy. And we need to play that out. Um, but, I mean, you know, I, I haven't really been a fan of the character Betty in this show at all. So anytime her scenes are up, like, cause they don't really know they're, they're playing her kind of mousy, but now they're also playing her crazy. And I'm like, I want, there's, there needs to be some stability there. Like Veronica, I think mm-hmm. the character has been so much better developed than Betty so much more. So, um, but I mean, that's, that's just me. I have, I don't like the actress that plays Betty. Like everything about Betty is not, doesn't work for me, but that's just me. She's so extra. Um, yeah. She's just so extra about yeah, it. Is. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Um, and I forgot to put this on here, or did I? No, I, I did have it. I'm sorry. Okay, so yeah. So that plot's going on. Uh, the underplot of this is the starting to unravel about what's going on with um, Miss Grundy. We'll call her Geraldine. 
Let's just call her Geraldine. Geraldine. Yes, let's call her Geraldine. And um, Archie trying to, you know, once he made his confession and, you know, got the dogs aren't sniffing towards her or where she was that time to rekindle his um, illicit statutory rape relationship with her. Um, And as a part of that, Fred, Archie's dad, is wondering, you know, if he actually does have any real talent. But he's also sneaking out of the house, and he gets caught doing that, and he has to lay smack down on him, or he's not allowed to go outside. You know, it's just all this kind of little Andrew's undercurrent of stuff. Um, But in a part of that, he also has a a conversation with Geraldine on if Archie is actually talented. You know, does he have a career at this? You know, and it was kind of a creepy conversation because they were using tone, you know, the words that they were using, you know. Do you think he can do it? You know, what do you think? Mm. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it was like Yeah, he goes like, what do, you, what do you see in my son? Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask her that, please. Yeah, don't ask her. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's seen more of your son than you have probably recently. And, um, yeah, it, and at least the scene that, that we had at the, I'm going to call it the mayor's ball. They call it something else, but I haven't gone back and watched it, but the mayor's ball. The we get to see Robin Riverdale Gibbons. or something like that? Yeah, we get to see Robin Givens again as the mayor um, of the town. Um, we get to see um, Mrs. Cooper knock out, uh, or no, excuse me, uh, Mrs. Blossom smack the hell out of uh, Mrs. Cooper. Um, I cheered. And, I absolutely cheered. Yeah. Yes, and she was upset. <laughs> You know what? Let's linger on Mrs. Cooper a little bit. She's probably going to come up when we get to our suspects again about her. I mean, she has literally no moral compass as Mm -mm. a mother or as a reporter where she has, you know, published a bunch of stuff in the newspaper about about Jason's murder. And um, she's just been like super like kind of out of bounds a little bit with the people there. How are you feeling about, you know, Scathley, how are you feeling about uh, Mrs. Cooper? Um, much like her daughter, she's just extra, and yeah. um, she ducks have ducks. <laughs> Other than her getting decked in that episode, which mm-hmm. she totally deserved, by the way. The thing that that stood out to me about her in this episode was when she was in um, Betty's room doing the smudging, mm-hmm. and the sparks are going everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she's gonna set something on fire. So not only is she, mm-hmm. you know, has no more compass, she's <laughs> she's a firebug. Um, but right. yeah, I I don't again. I think this is just sort of a red herring that the writers are setting yeah. up to try to mm-hmm. make her seem uh, more evil, so that people will think to try to divert people's attention away from the real murderer, Hal Cooper. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> but, um, so you know, it, 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 I mean, I uh, guess it, yeah. I guess it works on that level, but I, I she still needs a little more characterization beyond just bitchy mom who's doping her mm-hmm. daughter. Yeah, as a part of that, too, Hal Cooper and Mrs. Cooper. What is her name? Mary? No. Alice. That's Archie. Yeah. Yes, Alice. Yeah, they both work. Yeah, Alice Cooper. They both work at the, um, they both work at the newspaper in Riverdale. Like, they Mm -hmm. threw that in there, too, that Hal works at the newspaper. He doesn't work at the pharmacy like he does in comic books. Um, See, uh, Mrs. Cooper. Mrs. Cooper is committed to her ratchetness. She's yeah. committed to that. Yeah. She got slapped by Miss Blossom. She took that beat down well. And then she saunters, she goes over to Hermione Lodge and immediately starts in on her. Like yeah, after exactly. she gets slapped, it's like she yeah. didn't even take a breath. That, hadn't, that meant nothing to her. 
Right. <laughs> she's here. And I mean, her the worst line of the night was from Miss Cooper when she said, "Have you heard that your daughter has been slut shaming? You know, slut shaming when you're a slut and you get shamed." I'm like, who wrote that line? Who wrote this horrible line for her? But it's like I I agree. I think she's a red herring. It's like, what else can she do to make herself horrible? She's who she is. She's committed to it. I respect her. Yeah, I definitely think she might be a little bit of a red herring too, um, just because it would be too. It's it's setting up to be so obvious there. Um, but yeah, those Hal Cooper scenes have been very few and far between. And you know, crazy knows crazy like crazy knows crazy. And he didn't marry that crazy lady by not being crazy. So he's mm-hmm. probably got a little bit of crazy in him. And uh, we'll see, we'll see how that plays out. Um, we do get another return. I thought, uh you've been you weren't that a big fan of the Josie and the Pussycats. We get them again. Still not. We yeah okay. <laughs> you want to go in as to why? I, I wasn't feeling them this week either. I, I mean, I Archie's help, quote unquote, of their song, if that's what you want to call it, was fine. Yeah. But I just I don't. It's like you were saying how when you were talking about the, the, the portrayal of Chuck and how you view that as a black man. And I view Josie sort of similarly in that it's like every time in the world of Riverdale where there really is really only Josie, her pussycat, um, Chuck, um, and the, the kid on the scouts, there are no yeah. other black people. It's like right. there are no black women except for the pussycat. I want there right. to be somebody other than the black bitch. And I don't know if that's where they're going with Josie, but it kind mm-hmm. of feels like that might be it. Or, again, it could be yet another red herring. Um, I, I, I don't know very many 15-year-olds. I don't have any children, so maybe, I don't know, maybe things have changed since um, I was 15 and dinosaurs roamed the earth, but she just seems entirely too self-possessed and completely in, you know, convinced of her own brilliance. And it's almost like the actress has watched a whole lot of scandal and she's going to be like the miniature Olivia Pope or something. And I just, I, I want her to, I want her to, I want her to be not maternal, but I want her to be warmer because right now she's mm-hmm. just really cold and really brittle. And there's no reason for that cold calculating brittle side that we've been shown. So she, I would really either like them to give us a reason why she's like that or to just take it down a bit because it, uh, right now she's just kind of turning out to be yet another black bitch on television. Yep. See, Talene. Uh, Josie, I agree. I feel, I feel like they've been portraying her as the angry black woman every time mm-hmm. she's on screen. Um, I did like the, the scene when she was kind of dragging Archie about his white privilege and, you know, yeah. no, you don't understand my perspective. You know, I I can see why they did that. I appreciated that. She didn't want to help with the songs. But then I felt like she lost that momentum because he gave them mm-hmm. one line. Yeah. And then the next thing she says is, okay, what else do you have? I'm like, really? That's yeah, how really? it for him to earn his way into the group was one line? It's like either you're woke or you're not woke. 
just, yeah. just like half woke. Um, I do think we saw Whoa. a little bit more of Josie <laughs> at the mayor's ball when she was on stage and she sees the altercation between the parents and she's like, oh, I better start this song and save the day type of a thing. Right. So I like that she did that. But overall, I'm just like, eh, Josie, yeah. get more yeah. well-rounded. Yeah. Uh, I, I said this on the first episode, too. I'm wondering if we're going to see too many scenes with Josie and the Pussycats when they're not shucking and jiving or where they're entertaining white folks. Like, is there going to be a scene where we can see Josie and the Pussycats having a conversation or being well-rounded in some way? And it doesn't have to be all of them. I mean, look, it's Josie and the Pussycats. Okay, it could just be Josie. You know, they're the Pussycats for a reason. We don't know. We need to know about Melody all that much. But if Josie can get some sort of scene where she gets to, yeah, we hear like, why are you so angry? Like, where your daddy at, Josie? Like, I ain't seen them, you know, anybody, you know, what is there about you that's Her daddy's incarcerated. You know he's going to be incarcerated. Lord. (laughs) But they're going to update it, so it's going to be for, like, tax evasion or some other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know if I got, I don't know if my TV could take them pillows getting thrown at it if that happens. Um, It might not be a pillow. Uh, I just, I I don't, I want to see that. Like every time they show up, I'm like, okay, cool. And then it's like anything that's related to singing and dancing or being Josie and the Pussycats. And then that's it. And they're all, and I'm like, ah, come on, man. You know, but it's, I mean, again, we're episode three of what, 16 or 18 episodes. So we, I mean, we're really, so early in this, but I would really like to see them. And again, there's no, you know, she is the black female representative of this show. And so mm-hmm. you're going to trope her into being the angry black girl all the time, you know, in my profession. And Seth Lincoln can speak to this too. You know, 15 year olds are a little bit self-obsessed and self-absorbed. Um, they can be absolutely. Um, but they all, you know, a lot of them aren't either. It's just, you know, it depends on the kid, you know, but drilling down, usually if you get a kid that is like that, it's usually a reason for it, you know, yeah. you know, in yeah. my profession is like, so why are you so upset? You know, who lives at your house? Oh, who's there? <laughs> like, really? We, you know, I like, mean, I, I start asking to... all these questions. There's a reason for it. You're not just being an ass to be an ass. There's always a reason behind it. And I don't know that I mean, we're going to see it. Too. No, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> I'd be upset to Robin Gibbons was my mom. So that's true. That is true. Come on, y'all. Come on. I you you know Robin Gibbons' greatest role was in that Tony Braxton video. You're forgetting about her series from the 80s. What was the name yes. of that show she was in? Yeah, with Howard Hessman. Head of the I just know that that Tony Braxton video, she wasn't talking. So that's why it's her oh, greatest song. Come on. That's enough Robin giving slander. She's been putting in work for years. <laughs> years. She dated Brad Pitt. That has to be worth something. There has, has to be some version she of sur- She survived Mike Tyson. She survived Mike yeah, Tyson. Yeah, okay, I will give her that. You know, she, she, gets, yeah. mad, she gets mad or sex with that. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I mean, I'm that's not going to clown her fully. <laughs> yeah, but does she get, I mean, that's amazing that she's 
made it this far in the sense like, you know, there hasn't been a lot of roles or whatever for her. And so, I mean, she wasn't even listed, or maybe she was when I was looking at the IMDb. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, one episode, but now she's been in two. So, I mean, yeah, good for yeah. Keep cashing them checks. Um, you know, if they if they make a if they make a Omarosa biopic, Robin Givens would be perfect to play Omarosa. Yeah, and she would even be. now. Yeah, even now mm-hmm. she can play. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's crazy. All right. Uh, let's see. So let's get to uh, we all hate Betty's mom. We got through that. Here <laughs> um, <laughs> I type that I had that everybody hates Chris song in my head. Like everybody <laughs> hates Betty's mom. Um, what worked for you and what didn't work for you this week, uh, Lee, What worked for you? Uh, Cheryl Blossom worked for me this week. I really liked that when she saw Jason's name in that playbook and mm-hmm. she realized that her brother was not Justice, her twin, this twin set that she has with him, and that she was beginning to see him as a person who has flaws. And I liked the scene with her and Betty burning the book at the end when she actually mm-hmm. apologized. And it felt like for once she was being sincere. So it's a beautiful that, was scene like the, too. that was like the highlight of of the whole episode with Cheryl coming to this realization. Okay. Uh, what about you, uh, Cecily? What uh, um, Cheryl continues to work for me. Uh, Cheryl, to me, had the one of the better lines this week where she called, she called Veronica Frida Shallow. Yeah. Oh, yes! <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, it's, it's, it's not yeah. only, it's like, it, um, it's, and there are layers to that insult yes, because it's layers. like it's yes. the eye, it's the eyebrow thing, it's yes. the Latina thing. So it was just kind yes. of like, mwah, mwah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the fact that she is kind of uh, being allowed to show that vulnerability and realizing that you know um, maybe her life isn't as pristine and perfect as she thought it would be. Maybe her brother wasn't a saint that she always thought he was, and that which must be a really, really hard thing for her to accept. Uh, and I thought that the actress showed a lot of vulnerability when she was playing that part, that that particular part. So she's still working for me. She's still my number one character. Yeah, they've brought her in three episodes. They've brought Cheryl a long way. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, they've given her probably the most to do um, throughout the show already through three episodes. Um Yes, yeah, Cheryl always works for me. Like, again, by far my favorite part of the whole aspect. Um, what didn't work for you this week? Um, you know, oh, yeah, you go. No, no, see, Clean go. Let's go. Uh, what didn't work for me? Um, I didn't like Chuck. the dilt. Besides Chuck, I'm not even going to yeah. talk about that because we've talked yeah. about it so much. Um, that was the the, the main thing. Um I didn't like the whole Dilton Doily storyline with the with the gun. We did say last week we thought maybe it was a red herring and maybe it actually is. Um, you know, the whole Archie wasn't working for me this week. He was just so disappointing, the whole concession, then his dad grounds them, I'm going to sneak out. Just everything about him this week was was just rubbing me the wrong way. And I'm really frustrated by that because I like Archie from the comic books and I don't know this Archie and I don't really care to get to know him unless he makes some big changes. 
Um, mm-hmm. Right? I'm just not here for him, and it makes me sad. It just really, his character just really makes me sad. Go ahead. Um, again, Josie still isn't working for me. I want her to do more. I want her to be more. Um, yeah. if that's pretty much it. I, yeah. Everything I said before. Yeah. Uh, if I can't pick Chuck, I will pick bipolar Betty. Um, just. Oh, really? Yeah. I just, I, I, in a overall sense, I just, I, I know it's going to probably pay off a little bit later, but I just, I, I, again, anything that's associated with Betty is always going to stick with me because I, I don't like the actress. I don't like the characterization, like everything. I'm, I'm, I, in my head, I have, you know, freaking poly purebred version of Betty in my head. Like, I can't get that out. That's been 40 years of this. Like, I, I can't get that out. But I can deal with some sort of recharacterization of, of her if it's at least likable. Like, I don't know if there's anything likable about Betty. Like, for me, like there's, I, I don't see you like, well, you know, I like this part about, no, there's not like that part. Well, I like, no, no, I don't, there's not an aspect for her that works. So a lot of times when her scenes come up, I just kind of like, I kind of tune out a little bit. I unroll my head, roll my eyes. I'm like, oh, okay, it's Betty. Uh, hopefully they give her something else better to do here in the next coming weeks. But yeah, that's, that's fine. All right. All right. Um, before we get to who do we think might have killed that Blossom boy. Um, the people of color this week, did we, we saw Principal Weatherby, correct? We did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Bowler tie still? Oh, darn. I, I believe. Notice. I think so. I think so. Men don't usually change their style up that much. Hey, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you commit to a bolo tie, you wear it every day. Yeah, and this is sure. true. Very yeah. true. Yeah. Sheriff Clark has definitely entered the building. Um <laughs> Sheriff Clark and Sheriff Keller. Um, so yeah, it's uh, awful. Uh, did we see Pop Tate this week? Was he serving burgers at the at the Riverdale dance? Him. Yeah, we, we did in full uniform, full yeah. uniform in the background, not saying a word except mm. he wants some more burgers, NASA. That's yeah. Damn. <laughs> Shuffling along. I just want to. I want to give a shout out to my friend Broadus. Who was also in that scene? He he played the uh, the father of the little the other scout. Um, oh, okay. Oh, cool. So that, oh. that was really cool. Um, Broadus and I worked together. So and he told me that he was going to be on Riverdale. I was like, Oh, you have to tell oh. me everything. So yeah, um, absolutely. So that was really cool. Very cool. Um, so Dilton would be a person of color, right? He seems like he's yeah. Asian. Yeah. I would think. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we ran him a little bit. Uh, we have the, uh, the little kid that did. You snitch on Dilton, um, <laughs> the, other, the the black kid on there that snitched about the gun. Um, let's see. Um, can I say, him? I don't know any black boy who would let some person take his ice cream sundae like that and just eat at it. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, he is eating your sundae right in your face and you didn't say anything? Yeah. Yeah, I as they say, not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. As as my son would say, yeah, they're gonna catch hands. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and I, I don't think we missed anybody else. We we talked about the mayor. Um, did they give the mayor a name yet? They just re- keep referring to her as the mayor. I don't think she they has a name. I think they mentioned it. I think they mentioned it in last week's episode, but I don't remember what okay. it was. Right. I don't remember we'll what it. She does have, have a first name. Okay. 
as the show exits out and gives us our previews for the next week, um, it seems like the Geraldine Grundy story is going to finally unravel or begin to unravel. Uh, now, again, it's going to be episode four. I can't imagine that's all going to unravel in episode four. It's going to play out a little bit. But the idea is that, you know, our current Geraldine Grundy has uh, identity theft, the old school Geraldine Grundy, and is living in her place uh, somehow, some way that she's taking over her. I, I, I swear I saw, not that I watch these often, I swear I saw a Lifetime movie that was about this. I swear. <laughs> I swear there was some. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it starred that girl that was on Charles in Charge. Uh, not Nicole Eggert, uh, the other one, the smart one who turned into, like, you know, when she oh, got older, she got the young and the restless. She was on Sweet Valley High. Not that I watched that either. I'm just saying. I think you do. I think you do, sir. <laughs> yes. Got a podcast reputation here. Um, so, you know. <laughs> Uh, but I can't. I, I swear I saw that movie plot play out that way, where she took over the identity of this person and was also having relations with one of the students. But uh, yeah, that's gonna play out. It look uh, hopefully this week or this coming week. Um, all right. So who is at the top of your list for the potential killer of the Blossom Boy? Bill Hal Cooper. Bill Hal Cooper. Okay. Mm-hmm. Although Dilton. Dilton is probably an accomplice. Yeah. Okay. All right. Is uh, C. Talene anybody at that list or who's at the top of your list? I think Hal Cooper is like a great guest because it's very Veronica Marsy to have like this, the person you least suspect to be the person who actually did it. I'm right. still going to stick with Geraldine. I'm still going to stick that somehow she had something to do with it because we discovered that Jason had been shot, he had been frozen, and he had been tortured. Mm -hmm. So that's like some serious level craziness going on to do all of these things to the 17-year-old boy. So there has to be some passion in there, Mm -hmm. some commitment to cause, you know, Mm -hmm. harm. Um, So my number one is going to be Grundy, and my number two um, is going to be his parents. I think his parents no. did it. No, uh, the Blossom parents. The Blossom parents. Okay, all right. Fascinating. That's good. All right. <laughs> I'm still going. I'm still going. Hal Cooper uh, as my number one choice because he's just been there just enough, and the actor that's playing him has often played Crazy Dad in uh, potentially Lifetime movies as well. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, my second was going to be Polly until we see her. Mm-hmm. Until we figure that out, she's going to be near the top of my list for me because maybe that's why she's in the uh, in the asylum is that have, her brain couldn't figure that out and she just, you know, they sent her away. Have we seen a picture of Polly? Does she have dark hair? Um, I don't think I we've don't seen know. her yet. I don't think I we've seen her yet. I want to know because Betty, Betty kept that wig in her locker yes. and I wonder if, <laughs> if Polly actually has dark hair. So, yeah. I'm interested in that. Yeah, never know when uh, you're going to need this. Yeah. According to IMDb, um, she's blonde. Okay. I saw okay. that too, but I didn't know if, like, KJ Appa is not a redhead, so I didn't know if they did True. something with her. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see Polly. I, kn- I also saw that there was a character called Lil Polly, so we're going to see mm. a young version of a Polly. A flashback, yeah. 
Yeah. Which so. means we should may- maybe see a little Archie, which would send me through the roof. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would send me through the roof. Uh, yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, and they have dropped these little, you know, like there was an Archie Kins, I think, in the first episode. And yes. um, he called Veronica Ronnie one time. Like, you know, there's these little things that are thrown in there that, you know, that I think that they're doing their best to try to keep us, like, long-time readers, like, attached to the mm-hmm. show. Um, yeah. They're trying, but I, I know uh, now the ratings or whatever were up this week. Uh, you know, they picked right. up a few, you know, a couple hundred thousand uh, viewers or whatever. And, but the, the the demo was down, which I think is, you know, for these types of shows on the CW, that, that 18 to 49 demo is, you know, really what they're looking for with the lower ratings because those are the people that buy the Maybelline and all other products that they drop mm-hmm. in the show. So, um, but it, it ticked well, up a little bit this week. They're promoting the heck out of it. Yeah. And then it's streaming on Netflix now. I think it would yeah. have been better if they had just dropped it on Netflix so you could have just <clears throat> binge watched it or Binged something. Oh, uh, yeah. I agree. Ugh. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought that too. I saw when you posted that, and I was like, "Hey, that would have been a good Netflix thing that I could have watched, you know, over the course of two weekends or whatever, and just you know, kind of finished it." Um, but you know, we got what we got. <sighs> All right. So that's going to wrap up episode number two for Pretty Little Riverdale. I I think I messaged both of you about this um, as we start wrap this up and wrap up some brothers comics business. Um, I was trying to get Mark Wade on for on the podcast to talk about uh, his his re, his restart or the relaunch of the Archie comic book, um, and I'd, I'd spoken to him like via Twitter, and he was perfectly mm-hmm. fine with it. He's like, "But you got to go through Archie PR." And when I got to Archie PR, they're like, "No, no, no, he's too busy." Sorry, <laughs> I was like, "Well, that's not what he said, but whatever." He's like, "Yeah, but we'll give you like if you'd like to talk, we can give you Tom DeFalco, who's writing the uh, the Reggie and Me book." and the artist and the writer of the uh, Kevin Keller book. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's perfect. I'll take them both. Thank you very much. You know what I need to do. So we're going back and forth and exchanging. You know, you got to send them, like, the questions that you want to ask because you can't ask certain things. But I'm going back and forth and trying to figure out a time for that. So I was like, and I think I messaged you both. I was like, yeah, when this happens, i definitely like you all to both be on that call for that because I think that would be awesome, you know, to kind of talk yeah. to them and see where they are with those books. So be on the lookout for that when we try to figure that out. Um, and I think that's about it for all the Archie business. I don't think there's any other okay. brothers comics business. So yeah, that'd be something y'all be interested in. Sure. Okay. So yeah, I'll definitely keep you in the loop as that keeps going. Uh, I'm going to be at South Carolina comic con in the weekend of March the 25th through the 28th. And Mark Wade is going to be there for that. And I'd already messaged him about that. I'm like, and I have, I have press credentials for that. So that one's a little bit easier to like, and pull them to the side. And so I'll try to get an interview with him. I'm very curious as to what somebody who's currently writing Archie thinks about what this show is. And I, I you know, I follow him, you know, fairly religiously on Twitter and he hasn't tweeted a peep about that show, which kind of is in, in my conspiracy theory mine is kind of telling like why are we mm-hmm. saying anything about this show because really i don't think without the relaunch of that comic i don't think that we get the riverdale show yeah um, no i think i, I think yeah I, I don't i don't think you get that show because that book was so ridiculous it is or was it's so ridiculously good um so yeah all right but yeah i will keep y'all up to date and informed on that um, other than that, remember you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Subscribe, um, leave a rating, 
uh, share with your friends. Um, you can find the ladies. Uh, you want to give your shout-outs on where you can find be found on Twitter. And if you have any other places that they can find you, please let me know. Go ahead. Cetaline. This is Cetaline, and you can find me on Twitter at Cetaline, C-T-A-L-L-E-E-N. Excellent. No Facebooks, no MySpace. I, I do that with my students all the time. They're like, what the hell is MySpace? So, no, <laughs> I don't want anyone to find me on Facebook. I am incognito on Facebook. <laughs> Good to know. Excellent. <laughs> Cecily, where can they find you? I'm, I'm Cecily, and you can find me on Twitter at Skeskali. That's S-K-E-S-K-A-L-I. No, no, no MySpace. No MySpace, Facebook. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if I can act it. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And then I, I did. Am, I did have a MySpace account. I bet it's still active. Oh I yeah, I'm pretty sure you could. Yeah, I'm sure you could <laughs> activate it still if you could remember the password. Uh, so I mean, it's been so long. Uh, and I am uh, the producer at Brothers Comics. You can find me on Twitter at Brothers Comics. You could find us on Facebook at Brothers Comics. You can find us on Instagram at Brothers Comics, Tumblr, all of those things. If you put in Brothers Comics, that's B R O T H A S Comics. You should be able to find us all there, um, and like I said, follow us, subscribe, leave messages, and whatnot. Um, I think that's all the Brothers Comics business for the week, um, and then that's it. All right, so we're going to wrap up podcast number two for Pretty Little Riverdale. Now I'm going to sign off as the producer of this uh, podcast. Uh, we're looking forward to next week, just real quick, because uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. If this was a show that wasn't called Riverdale after the Chuck scene, I might have been done. Uh, that's just me because I'm sort of angry black guy sometimes. But are we looking forward to episode four? I am I because am. I need to know about Geraldine. I am here Geraldine. for that. <laughs> I'll message you that Lifetime movie. You can figure it out right <laughs> now. <laughs> you know you have it on DVD. Uh, I, cannot <laughs> confirm, I cannot confirm or deny that. Uh, uh, Cecily, looking forward to next yeah. week. I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely looking forward to it, but and I'm also holding out until Polly shows up, and Polly shows up, I think, around episode Mm -hmm. six. So Mm -hmm. I'm gonna hold out at least that long. Yeah, I'm all in. My best friend, who knows nothing about Archie, if he didn't hear it from me, is watching this show, Um, and he's all in. Like, oh, you know, I like it. He likes watches it with his wife or whatever. I'm like, all right. Like, if you're sticking with it. I guess I'm gonna stick with it too. Um, So, like I said, I'll just put that Chuck thing behind me. And try to move on, um, but that was hard this week. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah. All right, so all right, so we'll wrap this up. I am the producer. I'm signing off. Sign off, see Celine. All right. See you next week. All right, uh, Cecily, sign off. Bye. All right, bye. You guys, take it easy. Take care. Bye bye. All right, bye.